What would you say if I told you that one of the greatest evangelists of the 20th century was not a Christian? You know, so often as Christians, we tend to look at other Christians and other Catholics who are doing good things, and, and rightfully so. But you know, that word evangelization has a long history. The word actually goes all the way back to the Roman Empire, right? The evangelion, the good news. Oftentimes what would happen is an emperor would win a battle or uh, grow his estate, and that usually meant something really good for the local people because that meant that their estate grew. That meant that the ability for the Roman Empire to protect them grew. So evangelization is about sharing the good news, that your life is about to be better. And in light of this rise of disaffiliation that we have in the country today, of course now it's 25% of the country, I think it's time that we go back to the tradition of looking at people maybe outside of Christianity who are able to reach the modern mind. You know, if you think about the new evangelization, which calls for new methods, new expression, and new ardor, a lot of that is also looking back and moving forward. So looking back, let's look at Thomas Aquinas, who used Maimonides and Aristotle. Augustine, who used Marcus Cicero. Well, in light of the new evangelization, who are some of the minds and some of the great thinkers, some of the great um, innovators that we need to be looking at, looking at the modern world, particularly because our secular age might be the, the greatest secular age of all time. So we need to figure out, okay, what is causing people to leave and what are things that are occurring that are reaching the modern mind? Well, one such person that I want to throw out there is Bruce Lee. Now, most often when I mention Bruce Lee, especially in a Christian or a Catholic context, a lot of times there's a little bit of this dismissiveness about him because they only see the high-kicking, screaming martial artist on the screen. But Bruce was a living philosopher. The man was a genius. I mean, if you go back and look at some of his bookshelves, he was reading things like Plato, Aristotle, Goethe, Thomas Aquinas, all the way to Confucius, Lao Tzu, C.S. Lewis, you name it, the man was reading it. He was taking it in. And what he was doing with most of his work was trying to inculcate or incarnate what he was reading. Right? Maybe he didn't operate on a Christian perspective, but he did operate on certain principles. I might call him an existential Stoic operating on Taoist principles. Yet this man knew the entirety of the Western literature, uh, all of the great books. The man just took it all in. He also changed culture in a way that I would say rivals very few in the modern world. What he did to Hollywood, we're still scratching the surface of. Modern martial arts movies, in large part, he's the father of modern martial arts movies. Modern mixed martial arts, so you think UFC or many of these other organizations putting on MMA uh, fights, they call him the father of MMA. So in a way, what he was able to do was instill a foreign culture into a culture that perhaps was not ready for him at the time. And so I think what he did was very distinctly create a strategy by which he could enter into a few different cultures that he loved. And he was able to strategically place his own thoughts, his own creations, his own innovations into them that, again, we are now still dealing with. So much so that this little guy from Texas uh, names one of his kids Bruce, right? I'm still <laughs> part of his legacy. So what we have to think about as Catholics, what we have to think about as Christians, is what is it about what he did that caused this? 
Obviously, his charisma, his personality, you know, his ability to just steal the screen, all of that plays a role. But what was it that he was doing strategically? Well, at Word on Fire, we have eight principles, right? It's our ethos. These eight principles incarnate our guiding lights of what we do at Word on Fire, right? We took the charisma and the charism of Bishop Barron and kind of placed those into eight principles of what, if it, what has he been doing since the beginning so that now moving forward, particularly with the Institute, what is it that we can operate on so we always make sure we're fulfilling our mission? Well, two of those principles I want to talk about today in regard to Bruce Lee. One of them is evangelization of the culture. Now, when I'm talking about evangelization of the culture, I'm not talking about this sort of forced, top-down type of evangelization. Rather, it's an evangelization from within. I remember one time, uh, Father Steve Bruno, who is the CEO at Word on Fire, him and I were having a conversation about different aspects of the culture that we loved, you know, books, movies, bodybuilding, I mean, you name it, we were talking about it. And uh, I remember asking him a very just simple question of how is it that we can truly evangelize these cultures that we love? And he said, that's just it. You cannot evangelize a culture you do not love. Let me say that again. You cannot evangelize a culture you do not love. Right? Because if you're operating on a place where you disagree, if you're operating in this us versus them mentality, if you're operating in this mentality of culture wars, we will never win the modern world. We will never reach the modern culture. Because what you're doing is you're creating a foundation of disagreement as opposed to love. You're creating an opportunity for fighting rather than coming together with a common aim. So now think about Bruce Lee. Right? There were two cultures in particular that he decided he wanted to go into because he loved them. One was martial arts and one was Hollywood. Now when he goes to Hollywood, what happens? He experiences racism right off the bat. At a time when a man from China would never get a leading role, he shows up and easily could have said, just complained about it, left it, said, you know what, it's rotten, I'm not going to take any part in this. Instead he said, you know what, they don't know any better. So I'm going to step in, I'm going to show them what I'm made of, and I'm going to create something new that will change the whole scenario. They will come to respect the message I have through what I can provide. So rather than just complaining about it and leaving it, he went right into it because of how much he loved it. He couldn't help himself. He had to go in. Right? Now think also of martial arts. At the time, you know, martial arts operated on different schools of martial arts, right? Now we're kind of in this MMA era where we don't think necessarily in those terms anymore, but during his time, it absolutely was true that you had Wing Chun over here, you had boxing over here, you had kickboxing over here, you name it, and very rarely did the schools ever actually talk to each other. Most often what they were doing was speaking in, in silos, right? They were concerned ad intra, they were only concerned with their own. Now if you think about the church <laughs> and what's going on today, Catholic Twitter, all of that stuff, speaking in silos, right? Bruce shows up and says, uh-uh, I'm not playing that game. I'm not playing by that nonsense. I'm going to find what's useful over here. I'm going to find what's useful over here. And I'm going to put it into my own practice, subjectively, 
so that I can become the best fighter, the best martial arts, martial arts practitioner that I can be. And maybe that style isn't going to work for the person that I'm teaching. So he creates Jeet Kune Do, right? The way of no way. He's not going to put himself in a school of thought where all of a sudden now he's just speaking in silos. He also fought sexism and racism in martial arts as well. At a time when, if you weren't Chinese, you would not be taught a Chinese uh, martial art. At a time where women were never allowed inside martial arts. He shows up and says, I don't care about any of that stuff. Whether it's a white Westerner, whether it's a woman, whether it's an African-American, I don't care. I've got a message that I know can change your life for the better, and I'm willing to fight this nonsense so that we can all live the, the life of a martial artist, the life of self-discipline, self-awareness, and self-defense. So he changed the culture from within. Did he have to fight with his own ego, his own confidence, his own <laughs> issues? Sure. But he kept going because he knew the message was worth it. And then the next principle, leading with beauty. The theologian Hans Urs von Balthasar said that beauty has what's called an arresting quality to it. So if you think about it, to think about you know, two, maybe an atheist and a Christian constantly battling it out on, on whether or not God exists, the foundations of morality, you name it, they can go back and forth all the time on that. But those two guys go visit the Sistine Chapel together, that polemic, that desire for argumentation just falls by the wayside. And I think especially in our time, this is direly important because if you think about it, if you lead with, there's three transcend transcendence, right? There's beauty, goodness, and truth. If you lead with, with truth in a relativist, relativistic age, they'll say, well, that's your truth as opposed to my truth. If you lead with the good, say morality, well, that's your morality, and I'm happy for you, but that's not my morality. But beauty... You can't really argue about beauty. You can touch maybe on the specifics a little bit. But when two people go into a Chopin concert, like all that falls just by the wayside. And now you're both just there to enjoy this transcendent moment. Right? Think about the fact that you know, even the ardent atheist can't read Dante's Divine Comedy and Victor Hugo's Les Miserables and not be affected in some way. And within that leading of beauty, there's the messages of good and truth along with that. But it's coded in this kind of strategic amount of beauty so that the message is able to reach the heart. And what Bruce was doing in his films, particularly, again, at a time where in the West we were not ready to hear anything from the East. They just would, would kick it out right away, especially in Hollywood. He decided to go into films and provide his message in extremely artistic and beautiful ways. Ways in which a lot of guys who watch these movies actually don't understand what he's actually doing. But it affects them. It goes into their psychology. It goes into their consciousness without them maybe even knowing because it's leading with the beautiful. And there's one scene in particular in Enter the Dragon. See, Bruce Lee, again, he operated on, on Taoist principles and in the principles of the Tao, there's this one moment of what's called true and false self, right? Part of this inner mining of what we call our essence, the, the really core of who we are, is we have to chip away at those falsities that we have within our, our hearts, within our minds. Thomas Merton built on this and kind of Christianized it. He baptized it in regard to his own spirituality. But there's this phenomenal scene in Enter the Dragon 
where Bruce is fighting this guy named Han. And at one moment during the fight, they, he ends up in this room that's nothing but a hall of mirrors. All he sees is himself, right? He's all beat up. He's all this you know, amazing fighting leading into this moment. And Bruce is just walking around slowly, trying to figure out where's this Han guy? Where's the external enemy? And at one point he stops and he hears a voice say, the enemy operates on images and illusions. Break the images and you will break the enemy. Right? It's not about the external enemy. It's about what's going on inside of you. So then what happens is Bruce starts just breaking every single one of the mirrors until he's able to find his true self. He's not looking at reflections. He's not looking at falsities. It's now truly him. And the external enemy, Han, actually dies by his own spear. Right? That philosophy that evil will consume itself. It will die upon its own machinations. Another aspect of this principle of leading with beauty, I like to say that what Bruce operated on was sort of a gentle violence. Right? If you watch his films, he's famous for those close-ups where it comes onto his face and he's just angry. He's got this very specific look, and he studied that thing over and over to, to perfect it to where now it's an iconic image of this angry face of Bruce. However, if you actually watch his films, he's a pretty gentle, loving, and charitable guy. Most often he only gets angry when it comes time to stop the nonsense. Right? He operates as both a lion and a lamb. Christ is the lion of Judah and the sacrificial lamb. If you think about in the East, maybe that, that principle of yin and yang, and that's what Bruce was operating on. I remember one of uh, my favorite prayers. It's actually by Blessed Pierre Giorgio uh, Frassati. He actually asks the Holy Spirit for what he calls a wild tranquility. Right? The fact that we're going to have a fire within us to go out for the gospel. We're going to just do what we have to do. We will go to the end. But we will operate in, in love and charity and gentleness. But when it comes time to fight, we fight. When it comes time to be gentle, we will be gentle. So I think that what we have in the work, the life of Bruce Lee, is an image of someone, perhaps who we wouldn't think about at first, who was able to operate within the culture. He was able to go into a culture that actually didn't want him there. If you think about our modern culture with the church, some of the things that we're going to have to deal with going into it, do we love it or not? Right? And when you love something, and when that person knows they love you, you don't have to approve everything carte blanche. You've now earned the ability to go in and say, you know what, these things are incorrect. But you know I love you, and so let's move forward with this together. So I would like to say that what I think Bruce Lee operated on were evangelization of the culture and leading with beauty. And I think that those two principles, particularly in our modern world, are vehemently important. And the more that we can go into a culture, get out of this silo nonsense, and evangelize it from within, the better we will be as a church. Thank you.